Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. Here I am in Wat Tamkor Bok in rural Thailand and I wanted to tell you about something which is very dear to my heart about digital currencies because when I talk to a lot of people in the general public who are not nerds or involved in the finance or IT industries they don't know a lot about Bitcoin beyond what they've seen in a few headlines. Maybe they tell me that it's associated with drugs or something like that. But really, they don't have any idea about it. So I thought I would do this video breaking down a couple of ideas about why this technology is important and what to do about it if, uh, if you want to act on that knowledge. The thing is, it's kind of like if I talked to somebody about the internet in 1995, most people just didn't have an idea how disruptive that technology would be. And here we are in 2017 and people are using the internet literally all over the world. I see monks here in the temple uh, using Facebook and everything like that. It's so pervasive and chances are digital currency is going to be the same thing because everybody uses money. We do it <laughs> every day, more or less. <laughs> so it's very important that uh, this huge technological leap has brought us or is going to bring us into a new era. And I'll explain how that is. The thing is, when I got into this stuff back around 2011, 2012, I wasn't thinking about Bitcoin or digital currency as an investment vehicle. I wasn't thinking about becoming a millionaire. I don't think a lot of people were. What I was thinking about is what I like to call the dream of digital currency. So like the highest ideals. What are the ways that this is going to disrupt society? And when the dust settles, how are things going to be better? So I saw similar things like with Napster and BitTorrent, file sharing software that was used to share music and movies how that put pressure on the music and movie industry. So they had to create better products and come up with better ways to serve their customers. So when I saw Bitcoin and I started to put the puzzle pieces together, what I saw was this is a technology that's going to disrupt the banking industry and the central banking industry. And that's very interesting. And the reason it's interesting, I heard Stefan Molyneux make this argument around 2013. I think he was the first person to make this argument. Bitcoin can end war, or at least severely limited. Digital currency can stop people fighting. And the reason this is, is because you have things, central banks and treasuries. And when a government wants to start a war, when big interests, arms companies put pressure on governments to start a war, the country turns or the government turns to the, the central banks and treasuries and says, hey, print off billions of dollars and we will use them to buy arms, AK-47s and tanks and fighter jets and bombers and nuclear weapons and all this kind of stuff, which is really expensive and destructive. And that's exactly what they do. So they, they print a lot of money and the, the government or the country goes into debt to the central bank and they start the war. They go off and attack some country you've probably never even heard of. The thing is with Bitcoin, 
you can't do the same thing as what you do with a central bank and a treasury, just printing money left and right. You can't just go in and form a committee and say, hey, can you please print an extra 1 million bitcoins today? It doesn't work like that because it's controlled by mathematics, computers, and algorithm. Uh, and the amount of currency which is issued is predetermined. Uh, I won't get too much into the technical details because they can get <laughs> very cumbersome very quickly. Uh, but the point is, it's very difficult to just issue more bitcoins or more dash on a whim. Now, the next thing is prosperity for all. Like I said, this is the highest ideal. So perhaps we're not going to achieve, you know, worldwide eradication of poverty, but we might get a lot closer because of digital currency. The reason this is, is because people who get savings, normally they do things like put them in a bank. So say you put aside 10% of your income every, every paycheck until you're 50 or 60 or 70 years old, and you do nothing with the money except put it in a savings account. By the time you get to that retirement age, you're actually going to find the purchasing power has reduced. If you live in a developed nation, you'll probably find that the purchasing power reduces by about 2% or 10% every year. Things don't buy, money doesn't buy as much as it did when you were a kid. And I'm sure you've noticed that. The reason for that is the same because central banks and treasuries print more money when there's more of an asset or commodity and the demand stays the same, the price goes down. So it's similar to how if I grew a bunch of bananas and flooded the market with bananas, the price will probably go down to 50 cents or 20 cents a kilogram. So it's the same with, with dollars or any national currency. They print a lot with it, they print a lot of it, and then it's worth less. So that means that people get poorer over time. It's hard for people to save money. With digital currency, it's limited in supply. We know in advance how much is going to come out, and that way people can save their value. It's a better store of value than dollars. And that also has knock-on effects, so you can imagine a world, well, if you try, uh, it might be a little difficult, but try, uh, you might imagine a world where someone works for five years, ten years, or even twenty years, and saves diligently, and at the end of that period, they actually have enough money to retire. That would be pretty cool. Then you have these these knock-on effects, like I said, so some, maybe somebody saves for a couple of years and they have enough money to start their own business. So they have the capital there. When it's easier for people to accumulate capital, they can take a wild uh, chance on a whim and create some new innovative technology because they have the resources available to do it. And that's going to propel us into the future much quicker. So. That's uh, the people are going to make technologies which are going to make our lives a lot easier, and uh, people are going to have more access to these type of monetary services. Their money is going to be more secure. So for people at the moment who don't have bank accounts, they can find a way to secure their funds. They don't have to keep them under the mattress. And of course, in developing nations crime is a, a big problem and that that uh, 
can work itself into a downward spiral with, with poverty. Um, so that's going to help a lot of people. Then, um, aside from the, the dream of cryptocurrency, of course, there's the speculative potential. That is, people are thinking, can I become a millionaire by, by buying Dash, by buying Bitcoin? And that's certainly not something to rule out. So that is, <laughs> many people have done that. It's not necessarily going to happen to people who invest today, uh, but it's, it's something cool to think about. So this, this type of technology is going to make a lot of social changes and people might get rich off it as well. And there's nothing wrong with making a little money, especially when it's promoting a technology which may be the, the instigator of so much good in the world. So that is cool. Uh, now, when you're buying... Oh, the next point. Ah, before I forget, this stuff is complicated. It's not easy. So if you want to seriously get into digital currency, if you want to put some money into it, you do have to make a time investment. So maybe tens of hours or hundreds of hours learning about how to protect your wealth, keeping up on the latest changes. Because this is still new technology, that's what you have to do uh, to stay on top of it. In the future, hopefully, it's going to become a lot easier. I expect that to happen, um, take, take a big leap forward in the next couple of years. But for now, remember, it might sound cheesy, but the most important investment is your own education, especially when it comes to new tech like this. Oh, the good thing as well, if you're investing in Dash or, or speculating in Dash, you can always go on the Dash Nation Slack. So just Google Dash Nation Slack and you will find a lot of people who are willing to help you. So a lot of the time, these nerds on the internet with their internet nerd money, if you go on Reddit, they can be rather bitter or they expect you to know everything. Uh, they'll troll you and call you foul names if you do something silly. Uh, the people in the Dash Nation Slack aren't like that. They're paid to be nice and friendly, and they will help you make this difficult transition into the new world of virtual currency. Now, when you're buying currency, there's a couple of things uh, to bear in mind. So, when a, some people do this, it's a, a bit of a pitfall. Uh, they will buy a large amount and they don't necessarily have the wherewithal or the guts to stick it out when suddenly the, the currency drops the next day or the next week. And, and they sell, and then uh, later they realize if they just held onto it, uh, they would have made a lot of money or something like that. Uh, that happens to a lot of people. So uh, what, a lot of, what a lot of smart people do, or what a lot of more measured people do, We'll do things like dollar cost averaging. So say you set aside a small amount of money every week or every paycheck, $5 or $20, and you use that to buy digital currency. That way you're putting in an amount which you won't miss and you don't get as scared if suddenly there's a, there's a drop or an, an increase or whatever. Uh, you're not constantly worried about that because it's just a slow accumulation over time. You don't have to worry about the day-to-day -day, uh, volatility. Then another thing is, you've probably seen some of these articles that say stuff like, man sells Bitcoin, man sells his house to buy Bitcoin. And 
that's probably not a good strategy for a lot of people, but in some cases it might make sense. If you are thinking along those lines, there's some things to consider. So the reason that people do this is you have this thing we, we like to call asymmetric gains. That is, the potential gains far outweigh the potential losses. So obviously you can only lose 100% of your speculation of, of the money you put in, but you stand to gain a lot more. So of course people who invested early in Bitcoin when it was around a cent, now you can see it <laughs> uh, going surpassing $6,000. You can imagine the kind of gains that people are, are getting on that. That's the reason they do it. Um, but what you want to think about is your worst case scenario. So if you're a young kid, 20 years old, and you've saved up for a couple of months and you have $1,000 and your only continued liability or your only uh, monthly expense is your phone bill and maybe going out to lunch and you lose your $1,000, it's not such a big deal. But if you have a mortgage and car payments and, and kids to feed, then if you lose everything, it's probably a big deal. It might take you 20 years to, to recover your financial position. It might sound obvious to some of you, but the reason I say this is because there's this thing called the fear of missing out. And it's a, it's a motivating force for humans, especially when it comes to, hmm, bubbles or when it comes to people getting hysterical about buying a particular asset. So when there's something like a housing bubble, people are going out and buying houses just to flip them the next month, or they're going out to buy Beanie Babies on the black market for $100 a piece, these kinds of things. And the, the thing to do about that is to pay attention to the media and pay, excuse me, pay attention uh, to what people around you are saying. So there's the famous story about uh, one of the Kennedys who made his fortune through stock investing and uh, it was, I believe, during the Roaring Twenties and one day he was getting a shoe shine, and the shoe shine boy started telling him about which stock was a top, uh, a top pick and he, uh, on that day he decided, okay, I think uh, it's actually time to get out of the stock market because he s could see that there was hype, too much hype, so much hype that even a, a regular man on the street knew, uh, was talking about the stock market. So that's a sign that the, that the market is heated. Now, the traditional, the traditional saying is, buy the fear, sell the hype. So when people are not that interested, that's when you want to be interested. And it took me a while to learn this lesson. Firstly, I was buying Bitcoin only when it was hitting its new highs. That's not the smart way to do it. Uh, like I said, buy in small amounts when nobody's talking about it, and then you can do quite well. Uh, what to buy? So if you go on coinmarket.com, you can see there are more than 1,000 coins. And to be honest with you, most of them probably are not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, but you can research them for yourself. Uh, some things you might want to look at is consider who the developers are, if they have a good work history, maybe they've worked on some big projects before, and also consider what they've actually done on the project. So there's a, a, a lot of projects which uh, make big assertions, uh, they spread out a lot of hot air, but when it comes to results, or in terms of software, something like that, you don't see a lot of it. Then, uh, of course, 
you can buy Bitcoin. So <laughs> Bitcoin is the first digital currency of its kind. And it has a lot of it in its favor. Of course, it has momentum. Of course, it's the most famous digital currency. It's also got great developers working on its team. And it's got an, a large network effect. That is, there are more people sending and receiving Bitcoin than any other digital currency. And it's got more retailer acceptance than any other digital currency. My personal favorite is Dash. And one of the reasons for that is the team's focus on user experience. So they're trying to develop a currency which can be used by your grandma. So uh, something which is easy to use as PayPal, something in intuitive and uh, friendly and familiar. So that's, that's something to look at. If you want more information about that, I made a, a video months back talking about Dash versus Bitcoin, which one will reach mass adoption first. Now, where to buy um, there are several exchanges there. If you search for you, your country and exchanges, you'll probably find a lot of digital currency exchanges. So your country cryptocurrency exchanges come up on Google. Um, say in the US, there's Coinbase in Australia, Coinjar in Mexico, Bitso. Now, you want to be careful. Even with the ones I just mentioned, those are, those are quite reputable, but things change. So you want to be careful. So look them up, look up reviews. It's a red flag, particularly if people are saying that they're having trouble withdrawing their money. So a lot of currency exchanges have gone down in the past and that's something to be wary of. Now, so these are exchanges. So it's similar to like when you go to the airport and give them dollars and they give you Thai baht or something like that. Uh, you deposit your money onto these sites using a bank transfer or check or, or maybe even a credit or debit card uh, bill payment service and then you'll be able to trade those those dollars or that government currency for other kinds of currency. So <laughs> um, the best way actually to get digital currency is to earn it uh, and it feels good. It feels like you're in the future. So you can go onto a site uh, steamit.com if you're a content creator and you can start making content uh, publishing videos or articles and if the content is popular then you earn steam which is which is a, a currency on there it's worth about a dollar a piece at the moment and then you can keep that or trade it for for other currencies on an exchange or if you have a website you can put uh, you can accept tips on your website um, if you're a freelancer, you can ask for payment in digital currency. That's another way. Uh, storing your digital currency. Now, you've got to be careful. Um, once it gets above a certain amount, you probably want to step up the security. So, say above a couple of hundred dollars, that's when you want to start looking at security seriously. One easy way to take care of your security is get a device like a Trezor or a <laughs> Legend Nano S. Uh, so these are devices that are quite easy to use and, well, relatively easy to use, uh, and they will keep your digital currency very secure. Now, uh, when you're, you keep your currency for a while, maybe it goes up and you want to spend it, you can actually get Visa and MasterCards 
that you'll be able to spend uh, your digital currency in, in retailers. You can also go thing, do things like go on Bitcart and what's the other one? Purse.io and they will actually give you a 15% discount on buying Amazon gift cards. Uh, so you can buy a lot of good stuff cheaper than you would normally get it. So that's, that's great. <laughs> now, like I said, in the beginning, a lot of people, or at least for me, I wasn't thinking about how this would play out as, a, as, as an investment or something like that. Uh, if I had have been, I might have made a lot more money on Bitcoin. But I was thinking about the dream. I was thinking about these, these social changes that were going to happen as, as a, an effect of this. And we've already seen some of those start to happen. So, for example, with WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks is a politically unpopular organization. Governments don't really like WikiLeaks because WikiLeaks keeps them accountable and keeps putting out their secrets. So uh, a few years back, WikiLeaks had a problem. They had some legal fees that they needed to pay and server fees and these kinds of things. And they couldn't accept money because the US government was putting pressure on payment processes like PayPal, Amex, Visa, not to allow payments to go through to WikiLeaks. So WikiLeaks made a, an executive decision and they said, okay, we're going to accept this what was at, at the time a bleeding edge technology, Bitcoin, and then we will see what happens. As it turned out, they were able to <laughs> accept a lot of money, uh, do a fundraiser, and everything worked out pretty well. So we still have a world with, with WikiLeaks in it, uh, keeping governments honest. Then you have an organization like Tierra Buena. Tierra Buena in Argentina, uh, Good Earth is a the translation if you don't speak Spanish and this is an organization which helps out organic farmers so the thing was uh, with the farmers they had a problem with their payment processes with their banks the banks would normally say as part of the contract you're going to use this type of fertilizer this type of seed and if you're an organic farmer you really need to be making your own decisions about that kind of thing so Tierra Buena helped farmers accept Bitcoin and Litecoin or process the payments so they could receive Argentine pesos for their products, getting them quicker to the consumers, cheaper to the consumers, and allowing the farmers autonomy and freedom to grow crops as they wanted, making higher quality produce. So you can see the potential here. Uh, Sistema D. Uh, Sistema De. Uh, this is an organization in South America that goes into marginalized communities and helps them with computer literacy and digital currency to enable them to sell their products outside of their community. But um, normally, normally it's it's that type of thing, and this means that a lot of people win <laughs> because people outside of the community can share in these kind of handicrafts that are made in the, in the community, maybe understand a bit more about indigenous culture in some cases, and people in the community gain because they have more wealth coming in. They can trade with people they've never traded before uh, across the nation. Then you have a case like Venezuela. Uh, I don't think I mentioned 
Venezuela is is a country where at the moment they're going through hyperinflation and again this is this is a problem with government currency sometimes they print too much and uh, normally in in developed nations you you lose like as I mentioned two percent ten percent a year but in some countries goes through hyperinflation and you start to lose 99% of your purchasing power per year. That's what's happening in Venezuela. It makes it very difficult to eat. And what they do when they can get their hands on some Bitcoins, uh, they can buy products off Amazon, get them shipped to the Colombian border and smuggle them in. So smuggle in some dry foods like rations, uh, like military style rations and feed their family. So in all likelihood, people are alive today who wouldn't have been if not for digital currency. Digital currency is actually already saving lives. So I tell you, <laughs> the dream of digital currency is here. It is alive and it's going to be more so in the next 20 years. I can't wait to see them. Go ahead, uh, check out Bitcoin, check out Dash and do what you can keep it real <laughs> uh, protect your future and invest in your education so thanks so much for listening uh, i hope it's been interesting and educational remember check out the paradise paradox on facebook uh, you can also follow us on podcast addict or your favorite podcast app itunes that type of thing and check out the paradiseparadox.com thanks so much have a great day and keep the dream alive.